If your spider plant is looking peaky and that Venus flytrap you bought just kicked the bucket, you need On The Ledge, the podcast about indoor gardening where you learn everything you need to know to keep your house plants looking lush. I'm Jane Perone. Join me and a host of wonderful guests to chat all things houseplants at On The Ledge Podcast. Welcome to Miles to Memories. I'm Sean Coomer, your host. Joe Chung is here. And Dustin Waller from Waller's Wallet is filling in for Mark, who's in Alaska. And we have a very good show for you. Excited to share all of this with you. Dustin is here because he is a YouTube star. He has a great YouTube channel talking about miles, points, and credit cards. And we thought we'd ask him about the YouTube community, how it differs from blogs, and what content you might be missing over on the YouTubes. Plus, Crypto is the hot thing right now, and crypto credit cards are coming to the market. Dustin has looked at a lot of these, and we're going to break down exactly what is coming and why it's all a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Plus, we have rapid fires and more. If you like the show, consider subscribing. Just search Miles to Memories in your favorite podcast app. Also, consider leaving us a review. We really appreciate all of the reviews that come in, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. And finally, consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. It's a community of miles and points lovers, hundreds of people in there who just are nerdy about this stuff like you and I. We have meetups. In fact, our first one is in Denver in August, plus a private Discord, private Facebook group, bonus content every single week. It's a lot of fun. Patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. Hope to see you there now. Let's hit it. Mark is off this week. Joe is here. And we have a very special guest, Dustin, with Waller's Wallets. Thanks, Dustin. I've, I've known you for years. And I was so glad that you agreed to come on the show and substitute for Mark. So we get a few less laughs, but a lot more info. So I, I like that. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I know. Uh, I know. Yeah, we have known each other for a few years. I've known Joe for a couple of years. So it's good to be on the be on the show talking with you guys. It's always great to, to talk to their points and miles peeps. And we were talking a little bit on the live stream in the MTM uh, Facebook group a little bit before about how you used to be a blogger and you wrote for some other sites, had your own website, and then a few years ago transitioned into YouTube. And we're going to talk all about the YouTube miles and points stuff just a little bit later. But it's exciting to to talk about that because I know like there's a whole group of people that are sort of like old school and they're they they know what they know and they like what they like. And like the YouTube sort of stuff is just kind of a new frontier, a whole new group of people, new group of, you know, uh, what would be bloggers on this side, you know, video content creators on that side. And uh, there's so much out there to kind of unravel and discuss. But before we get into that, you have any big trips coming up? Any interesting uh, travel plans? I don't have any travel. I'm trying to plan a trip with some buddies of mine, but they won't, they won't get back with dates. Uh, but that, that'll be the first trip I think I've been able to book since COVID and all that crap started. I'm looking forward to getting back in the air and doing something. I, I'm, I'm dying to get back out there, to get back out, out traveling and see, hitting the road. How are things out there, Joe? I know we talked moving on ceremonies for kindergartners, how my daughter, hers was canceled, but I, mean, I was good. a little jealous because a lot of kids around the country are having their kindergarten graduations and mine sort of, uh, she got screwed. Well, I honestly do not believe in them, but if they happen, then I have to go. Dustin, you you may or may not have to make this decision in a couple of years, but it is like 95 degrees here in Boston, probably 95 plus. In fact, a lot of schools that 
cannot afford air conditioning have released early for the day um, because of this heat wave. Of course, my school cannot afford air conditioning, but we did not release early because <laughs> thanks so much. But yeah, my son was supposed to have a moving on ceremony, which they only decided to do like three days ago, just because mass opened up on May 29th. And, you know, like it was all so last minute when they decided perfect time to plan stuff last minute yes it was it's great and last minute they canceled because of the heat they don't want the kids to be outside which actually makes life so much easier for us because uh, it'll be next week during like after school time so it'll be fine but yeah super hot here that's also why i'm recording in the bedroom which i don't normally do my study you know for those of you've been following for a long time like in the summer it is super hot in there if it's 95 degrees outside it's hotter than that in the study it's like recording in a car uh, maybe a little maybe a little better but it's the only place i can get away from the kids but luckily we're recording in the afternoon so no one's home so i can uh, record in the bedroom but i have to stand strategically so that uh, i don't embarrass my family with the way our house is set up so i'm going to try really hard not to move and may have to turn off my video once or twice <laughs> so that's why people should be watching live in the absolutely Miles memories facebook group uh to see all of this i uh, want to see what your bedroom looks like because I know everybody out there wants to wants to see all of that. Yes, uh, please don't. Otherwise, my wife will make me quit this job. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's get into the show a little bit because I think we have Absolutely. a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, Mark is off in Alaska this week. He will be I, back next week, and he'll be talking all about his amazing trip. Uh, I think I saw I think I saw a post a picture one on Twitter where he had like crab legs. Right, so it's all, it's all you eat is crab yeah. legs. Every picture I've seen Mark post, <laughs> I am like insanely jealous about that trip it looks so nice out there i'm pretty sure it's not 95 degrees out there too yes it's going to be the theme throughout this entire episode but the scenery looks beautiful he took a pictures of the glacier park he was at the food that he's been eating i mean really jealous really looking forward in fact unfortunately i can't be here next week but uh, i'm really looking forward to hearing mark's trip yeah it looks like he's having a great time Yep. So next week, uh, Joe is going to be off. So it will be uh, an interesting time. But yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. Mark is blowing up our social media. So check out the Miles to Memories Twitter and Instagram if you want to see posts from his Alaska adventures. And as just like you, Joe, I'm very jealous. Uh, it really looks beautiful. And I told him, I was like, you've done all the planning now. So I'm just going to take Ellie on the same exact <laughs> trip. And I don't have to worry about planning anything else. I'll just, uh, just copy it. It's a yeah. smart move. I mean, I can't wait to hear. And by the way, next week, I'll be at a real graduation for 12th graders. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I want the shade to... at the kindergartners. Throw yeah. the shade oh, at the yeah. six-year-olds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Take that, son. All right. You're moving on ceremony. It's meaningless. But anyway, what I'm really excited to hear about is I feel like everything worked out perfectly for Mark. I'm hoping to hear that it was like lower crowds in Alaska things. You know, I know that not as many things are open, but if it's lower crowds, you know, I hope it all went well. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what Mark's experience is because there are going to be cruises going to Alaska this summer. Um, and so I do think it's going to get more crowded, but he's going right now. No cruises are going yet. It's only land stuff. So I think it sounds already like he's having a great trip. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point about uh, avoiding the cruise crowds, because once those ships come, especially on days, well, they're pretty much in the summer, there's always a ship dumping thousands of people on shore uh, to take up all this stuff. But uh, yeah, so we'll have lots of Alaska coverage next week. So look forward to that. This week, we're going to talk credit cards. We're going to get into the the nitty gritty here. We're going to start really quick just by mentioning the Sapphire Preferred 100K offer, which is the best ever. Obviously, this card is blogged about, talked about. Everybody knows about it. Uh, a lot of people listening certainly do. Uh, but 100,000 ultimate rewards points after 4,000 spending. The typical bonus has been 60K for, for years now. Went mm -hmm. to 80K and we all got excited about that. And then they 
made us all look bad and went to 100K. So everybody who applied for it, including friends and family members of mine uh, who got 80K are like, what, what's up with this? But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess two things, Dustin. Obviously, this is a good offer. I don't know that we, anybody would tell somebody who's eligible not to get it. But do you think that we're going to start seeing more record offers coming for other cards uh, from Chase and other banks? I think we are going to see something more from Chase in this respect. With the Sapphire Preferred, it kind of made me scratch my head a little bit because 80K was great. I mean, if you were eligible for it, it was a no-brainer. I was recommending it to people. 100K, I was just recommending it to someone else. Like, without a doubt, you get this card right now if you're eligible for it. But it almost seems like this is kind of what Chase is wanting to... It seems like what they're wanting to do is offer these big bonuses to almost kind of what what we're seeing like with the Platinum card on American Express. I mean, the Platinum card has been killer for a while. I I could see it. Hopefully we see Hyatt. Hyatt's been kind of steady for a while. I would like to see them kind of... If they came up with an 80K or 100K Hyatt offer, maybe wishful thinking. But I think that would really get people excited as well. I I, I do think this is kind of the trend we're going to see from them. Man, you know, I I kept seeing this stuff about the 100K and in my head I was like, oh yeah, well, I just got it like a month ago. So, well, I don't know why it didn't click in my brain. I should secure message them and ask them to match and at least see what happens because I did get that 80k offer and i was perfectly happy with it but what's the harm in sending a message to see if i'll get an extra 20k i don't i'm not i've said many times that because i haven't applied for a chase card in like five years i'm totally rusty on the rules and whether they uh not price match but bonus match and stuff like that but i I might as well send a message in and see what they do totally worth a shot i think doctor of credit had it that they weren't matching people but shoot your shot man yeah, I mean, traditionally they had in the past for a lot of offers, but uh, I had a friend who messaged them and got denied. So uh, it seems like the data points are are rough there. So a few years ago with Sapphire uh, Reserve, Chase launched with 100K and they said they they lost so much money on that offer. Uh, they could not make it profitable. Here we are, same bonus, a much lower annual fee, $95 annual fee. How are they expecting to make up money when they couldn't make money on their premium travel card with the same kind of bonus? That I have no idea on. I've been pretty outspoken on the fact that the Sapphire Preferred is stale. It's not really a good long-term keeper card, in my opinion. The multipliers aren't there compared to other cards. The Sapphire Reserve, I feel like, cannibalizes people who would potentially keep the the, the Preferred. And really, I think with the Freedom Flex update to it, it's a great card in its own. It almost seems like Chase would have been better off offering 40 or 50K on the Flex to have people keep the card long-term which would have gotten people excited for a bigger bonus on the flex and not done this because they're still not, in my opinion, under addressing the underlying issues of an underwhelming card. So I don't see how they get out of this without losing a lot of money. Yeah. Joe, do you think that this is vastly different than with Sapphire reserve? I mean, they were charging a a hefty annual fee there. Of course they had travel credits, some other things that played into that, but I mean, how are they going to make their money back on this uh, if they couldn't do it with with a more premium card. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. First of all, thank you for crushing my dreams, guys. I really appreciate that. But um, <laughs> I, I think it's interesting because, yes, they said they lost all that money on the Chase Sapphire Reserve, but they did not say they had any regrets necessarily. And so I'm not sure if it's like a PR move or whatever, but anecdotally, you know, the Chase Sapphire Reserve is the card that all my non-Miles and Points nerds friends have. And they still have it. They have have it from five or six years ago when that 100K happened. So maybe in the first couple of years, it was a huge loss leader for them. But if all these normies are going to keep that card and they have it for the long run, then maybe Chase comes out ahead. So I wonder if 
Actually, that makes me think that it worked out for them. It's either one of two things in my mind that I can think of off the top of my head. The reserve worked out well enough for them that they think they can try it again with the preferred and do the same thing. Or they're just so hurt for like card holders right now that they need to entice more card holders back just to get them into Chase's system. So they don't do these things for no reason. They don't do it out of the kindness of their heart for sure. So Diff- different, different thought here on that. What if, you know, we saw them potentially take down family pooling of points online. Now you could still call in, I think, to do it. A couple of years ago, there was a rumor they were going to reduce um, transfer ratios between like the freedom over to the reserve or the preferred so you could transfer out. Do you think there's a way? So they offer these big bonuses right now, gets people really excited, but then they do something to reduce either point values or transferability between cards to kind of eat those lo- to reduce those losses. That's yeah, I think it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds evil. I mean, I think it could be possible. Certainly, there's going to be changes. And people are talking all the time about our expectations of devaluations with all kinds of programs. And uh, certainly with Ultimate Rewards, the ability to transfer between cards and let's say use uh, Pay Yourself Back gives you a, a tremendous value. So if they could limit, you know, how you're bringing points in from other cards where you might be able to earn a little bit better, I could I could see that. Uh, to Joe's point, a lot of times big companies just have a kind of a disconnect between marketing and if they really need car customer acquisition, they'll spend money. Even if, you know, it may be bad for them down the line, you know, they have shareholders, they have all of this other stuff. So it could be a complicated thing, but it's something to keep an eye on. And I do expect we'll see more great offers. Like I think as we come out of the pandemic and uh, the banks are really trying hard on with customer acquisition, we're going to see a lot of changes. I think in the credit card space uh, as we have through throughout the entire pandemic, but uh, things will kind of settle in to something different. And I think we'll see even more of these big offers. All right. And let's pivot to that talking uh, to talk about the miles and points YouTube community, because I don't know if a lot of people who aren't on YouTube sort of understand the ecosystems that have developed there, not just in the miles and points community. Obviously we have a a big Vegas channel and there's a huge Vegas community, but just about every sort of uh, niche that you can think of has incredible content on YouTube. And, you know, if you think you have really great blogs, the counterpoint to that are the YouTube videos. And in the miles and points space, Dustin is one of the best uh, YouTube channels. Uh, So definitely subscribe to his channel. He does a lot of great content, but we thought we would use this as an opportunity when we have you to talk a little bit about the miles and points YouTube community. And I guess my first question would be, how does it differ? What kind of, how do you think, you know, on the very top level, it differs from blogs? YouTube.com slash Waller's Wallet. Let's just start there. <laughs> I think one speed. It, it is a lot longer. I mean, a blog post on a Chase Sapphire preferred product, when you get going on it, I'm sure all three of us could bang one out in probably 45 minutes to an hour knowing what it is. But with a video, you have to record it. You, If you script it, like I script out all of my videos, even if I know it, just because sometimes when I hit record, everything goes blank in my head. So for me, I script it out. I record it, then you got to edit. Edit takes so long. And then you got to do all the background stuff to get it, you know, thumbnails, optimized SEO style. So it just takes a lot more time to get a video from start to finish. And and when things change, you can't just go back and update the blog article. You go update the blog article, you're good. With the video, you got to do a whole nother video on the update for it. So it, it's a lot more fragmented at times, but it's it's a different way. Of, I mean, being on camera is different too. Yeah, most I think most bloggers don't want to be on camera. Um, that, that takes I'm time. Not, yeah, well, it takes time to get used to it too. I've never yeah. loved to be on camera. I mean, I never minded it too much, but just you know, through 
the years of us doing streaming and, you know, I, I'm much more comfortable, but it's certainly a lot of people are more comfortable behind a keyboard typing. They're more comfortable with the voice in their head versus the voice that comes out of their mouth. You know, you, you kind of, well, you kind of exercise, you know, writing is exercise, yeah. right? For your mind and doing videos is a whole different thing, even though writing can be part of that. It's just a whole different process. But, you know, how are you able to display information for your viewers that's different than the way that we're able to sort of display something in a blog post for our readers? I think the visual aspect for it, I think that's something in, I think a lot of it is overlap in the sense that you can get what you, you can get a lot of from YouTube as well as you can get from the blogs. But I think that visual aspect, putting a face to it, hearing it, seeing the graphics, the video demonstrations, you don't necessarily get that with the blogs because the blogs are uh, step one, two, three, four, and here you go. And so you get kind of more of a personality too. It's sometimes when you read text, it's not, you don't always get that personality from the writer, but with the person in front of the camera, you do get to see a little bit more of them and learn about them and kind of, I don't want to say get attached to them, but you know, you, you establish a different type of connection with the audience. I mean, it just sounds like so much more work even knowing like how editing podcasts goes i'm sure it's even worse for video so i'm curious am i just too old like is this video just the thing that all the kids are doing because it's funny even when i watch stuff on youtube like i've considered getting youtube's premium thing or whatever so that i can just listen especially if it's stuff like miles and points you know and like i mean i watched sean's video at the uh, Golden Knights game the other day. Of course, I want to see how crazy that was. But then a lot of times I was watching your BlockFi credit card review thingy that, uh, you know, and I didn't need to, I mean, I watched it because, I mean, you're a good looking dude. So, you know, I'll watch you when I get the chance to watch you. But I don't really need to see that. So I think I'm curious, like, why do you think YouTube is like blowing up so much? I mean, I guess we see it even with TikTok and stuff like that too. I think it's the way people are looking to consume content now. I think when you look at, I'll say the younger generation, but people in general, way I realized it was, you know, I think Sean and I were talking about this earlier. When I was on, I was, I think it was in New York and I was on the subway, I was in the Metro and everyone on the subway had their phones turned sideways, head down. People weren't f- scrolling through, look like they were reading, they were watching video. So it just, to me, and everywhere you looked, all these people were watching video. So each person was an opportunity for them to potentially be watching something related to what you were doing. And especially as we see more TikTok and Instagram reels and YouTube shorts and all these different forms of video creation content, to me, it just seemed like it was the next step. It's just another way of displaying it because I get a lot of people who don't want to read blogs. They want to watch it for the video for the video piece. And I have people who do both. So I think there's still pros and cons to each, but it just seems like that's the next step, especially with the younger kids who are graduating high school. How are they going to get their information? Are they going to read the blogs, they're going to watch a video to understand that. And we talked about it like years ago. I mean, you were really on top of things. I mean, like you started when, how long is your, how old is your YouTube channel? It's like three and a half years old. Yeah. I, I just remember when you came on observation deck, it was just starting and I was like, <laughs> oh, you're onto something. I mean, I don't want to do this because I don't have the time. <laughs> and I, it, it gets easier as the more you do it. And I have like, I have a good workflow for video. Like I literally, every time I record, I'll take it out and I do what I call my raw edits so I actually edit on my iPad. So I, um, and I just go through to cut all the, the bad, my, all my screw ups out. And then I go through and like fine tune it. So it, it, you get a workflow from it. What's funny is you talk about the golden Knights thing, Joe, is I'm trying to figure out better workflows. That video was a test for me. I actually recorded, I recorded only with iPhone and I edited the entire video on my iPhone 
Although later I added narration in and I did that on my computer, which took as long as it did for me to edit the entire video. And so it's like every time you try to do something, you try to expand your, your, you know, your wheelhouse. It's a huge learning process. And it's certainly for me, it's very frustrating, but it's very rewarding because like you to your point, Dustin, I can write a blog post in 45 minutes, uh, but it takes me a lot longer to craft a, a video. And I think that you're, you can relay a lot more in it. And, you know, I think that YouTube is sort of an ecosystem that some people get and some people don't. I started watching YouTube because I like watching car videos and amusement park videos, quite honestly. Right. And, you know, over time, I found other things I liked. And so the other the big difference as a content creator is a blog. You're sort of trying to create your own, I don't know, your whole own ecosystem. Whereas on YouTube, you're part of YouTube. And so YouTube if you can get favored with their algorithm and, and do everything right, YouTube has its built-in audience that it will show your content to. I think that's a good way if you're a content creator to start to find something, you know, starting a blog is so difficult because you're in your own little world. It's your.com. Nobody's ever going to go there. Google's not going to care about you for a while. You know, you got to, it really takes a, a long time. And so uh, I think YouTube is really good if you're a young content creator and want to do that. But why do you think like on the blog side, we know what the huge, blogs are right um yeah. even all the way up to the points guy but they've all really struggled on youtube they've all tried i'm not saying that they haven't had any success uh, mm -hmm. but when you're talking about the size of their audiences on blogs compared to what they've been able to do on youtube it hasn't really transferred over why do you think that is i think it'd be for a couple of reasons one i think there's a compliance issue you can't necessarily say what you want to say i don't have currently an affiliate relationship so i can say really what i want to say that comes at a cost, right? So when you have those deep affiliate relationships, you can't necessarily go into full, uh, you know, uh, transparency on a card. You have to basically say what it is. And I think, and sometimes it's dry. It's really dry if you can't add personality to it or give the people what they, what they maybe they, a different viewpoint. And it's really hard when you can't offer that to someone. And I think that it takes a lot of resource. I remember some of the channels have tried I think they underestimate the amount of time it takes to truly create a YouTube video. And I think for people who see the final product, they see us in front of the camera, they see the end and they say, okay, well, it's a 10 minute video. That 10 minute video took anywhere from, you know, four to six hours from scripting, recording, editing, fixing any screw ups, going back through optimizing it. So it takes a lot longer. And I think at some point they have to realize there's probably more money to be made on the blog side as they're established than trying to restart themselves because YouTube doesn't care if you have a huge audience on, you know, on your website. I mean, they're big, they're large channels now who they fell out of favor, if you will, with the algorithm and they're getting small number of views compared to their audience size and vice versa. So it's just a different, different beast. And I don't think they all have the patience for that. Yeah. And I think one thing being more acquainted with the podcast world, I've seen that you can start a podcast and get to be, it can be mediocre, but if you have a large audience on a blog, I think it translates more. However, what I've noticed is like with YouTube, it, because it takes so much more commitment, because you're stuck with YouTube's algorithm, it's not the same. Anyone can start a podcast. And then if you already have a hundred thousand clicks a day, a bunch of people are going to go listen to that podcast. But with YouTube, it's not the same, especially because I think the people like a lot of YouTube's audience is just a different you know, there are Venn diagrams, but it's just, there's not as much overlap. So I think that's one thing. And then I think you bring up a great point about the compliance and things like that. We're going to talk about 
some crypto credit cards later because Dustin's been doing some research. And like I said, I was watching your BlockFi review and you kind of, you, you pointed out that, I mean, you basically pointed out that BlockFi is just giving you cash back and you're buying Bitcoin with that. And it's, it's not the same as, and you did all the numbers, like yeah. no one with an affiliate relationship with BlockFi would be able to say something like that. So no, but I, and I, I don't think they're going to reach out for a sponsorship anytime soon because of it. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, the, the level of transparency or honesty you want to have on, and I think that to me, that's something I value is that relationship I have with my audience. And I, and I know you guys do too. And that's hard. I think when you start getting up at that level of marketing with certain, with certain blogs, they're so disconnected from the audience at times to where it doesn't, it does, it may not be advantageous for them anymore. I, I bet you sites like the points guy would do better <laughs> not doing, because we've talked before about how they're really more of a general travel site. Mm-hmm. I bet you they would do better doing general travel YouTube stuff and just avoiding credit cards altogether. Their UK TPG channel for flight reviews was killing it. Cause it kept getting shown to me like whatever those guys are doing over there they were getting hundreds of thousands of views, I think, on some of their like economy, premium, and business reviews all at once. I agree. I think if they did more video-related travel content as opposed to points of miles, it could do well for them. But Well, it really just depends. And that, this is to the point of the difference in YouTube between sort mm-hmm. of independent content creators and corporate content creators because yeah. the cost of a, of a points guy to create a video is significant. They have to pay people lots of money. They have to do all of this. And if they're not able to recoup it especially when their main business model is credit cards and is affiliate stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, maybe they they don't want to focus on that type of stuff, but it certainly is different. And and it's interesting. You and I both, and you know, we've been trying to create communities, not only around YouTube content, which we've tried to do on the Vegas side, but also miles and points. And we have our Patreon and we have our Facebook group and we've done a good job on that. But when it comes to marketing stuff, when it comes to like offers, it's difficult because we never let, a sale generate our content. So we never, the first, you know, are we going to write about something? It's never whether we can make a commission on it, but as has been proven by some of these really <laughs> huge successful sites, that's not the best way to make money. And so there's always this sort of, uh, sort of balancing between it. But I think the the main takeaway, if anybody's listening to this is, you know, not only YouTube, but you know, TikTok, there are influencers now doing TikTok videos, 60 second TikTok videos about credit cards and their benefits. And, and, there is a whole new generation being reached in a whole different way, but I, you know, I'm almost 40 years old and I like video content on YouTube. And I think that there is a lot of people who may not have discovered this stuff, may not have discovered the quality and depth that's there. So if you really do like this hobby, um, you know, look out, look for Dustin, but, you know, look for people that you like when you watch yeah. their video, you're like, I want to hear, I'm nerdy about this stuff. I want to hear about it from him. And uh, there is a lot of uh, cool stuff on uh, YouTube and uh, other video platforms. Oh, absolutely. I think what's really interesting is that we're all, I mean, we can all spin a Sapphire Reserve or Preferred or Platinum review, but it's our own little twist on it that gives it the uniqueness for each individual. So I think that's what really draws people to certain creators. Disney TikTok people killing deals for clout. I do not appreciate you. Isn't that a trope that's like as old as time though? You know, bloggers, everybody killing deals. Yeah, I mean, but that's I, just what it is. something about TikTok goes even more viral. I mean, it's a lot of circumstantial evidence, but every time one of these TikTok things about Disney related hacks goes viral, that one goes away in like a month. So you should probably do the TikTok hacks for Disney. No. Blow it up. No. It's okay. Be that guy. Somebody else <laughs> is going to do it anyway, Joe. You might as yeah. well just take it, take it out. 
No, that's how society <laughs> breaks down. Okay, we live in a society. All right. Speaking All right. of which, let's talk about crypto. Yes, exactly. Let's talk about crypto cards because I had I've seen like mentions of this stuff. I hadn't really looked deeply into any of the crypto cards, and I know you did. And we talked about on your channel. What your latest video, I think, is blocked by everybody's talking about crypto, whether it's your friends, your family, people buying it. Some people wish they had bought it. You know, people buying the crap coin that was just created yesterday. I think you point out in your, in your BlockFi video that, you know, people are pumping and dumping coins, you know, trying to say, oh, well, if this coin reaches one penny, I'll be a gazillionaire, you know, but right. not looking at what the actual chance of that is or the, you know, market cap of the coin. All this weird stuff is happening. But in the credit card space, that means we're going to get a bunch of crypto credit cards coming, right? Yeah, I think we'll see more of them. I, there's a lot of debit cards out there, the crypto.com debit card and like Coinbase is making a debit card. But the only two that I've seen are that are coming to market is the BlockFi and then Gemini is making one that's slated to come out in the summer of this year. In the video, you know, digging through it, the BlockFi credit card is nothing more than a one and a half percent cash back credit card, which they purchase Bitcoin on a mo every month. So basically, you know, take your cash back rewards you're going to take anyways, instead of them just giving you cash back they give you Bitcoin or they purchase the Bitcoin at whatever price that is. Gemini looks to be a little bit different. I'm still waiting for more information, but with Gemini, it looks like you get rewarded in real-time crypto and it's not just, and it's not just um, Bitcoin. You can choose from a, a, like 30 different options out there. So for people who are, I consider it gambling right now as opposed to investing, but whoever's, whoever's diving into crypto, Gemini looks to be more of a real crypto option compared to BlockFi. Yeah, I mean, like you pointed out in your video, it depends when they use that 1.5% to buy the Bitcoin, right? Because like you pointed out very nicely in your video, like one week Bitcoin's at 50,000, your 1.5% gets you X amount of Bitcoin. But if the next week it's 40,000, that 1.5% gets you a different amount of Bitcoin. And so really not having control of when you're, I mean, I guess in general, if you think of crypto as an investment, quote unquote, I mean, all investments are gambling really in some senses i guess that's like dollar cost averaging if you don't control like you're not trying to buy the dip or whatever but still it seems like very i don't know just to label it as a crypto card yes technically you're getting bitcoin but like you said it's just really a cashback card so yeah at this point I mean, i'm sure we'll see others i think as the market starts increasing i mean just if just looking through different crypto sites it's just it is growing and the amount of money people are throwing into crypto it would make sense that some of these companies would try to capitalize on that and make more money in some capacity with these credit cards, whether it be Ethereum. I mean, I mean sure, I'm sure Dogecoin, if Dogecoin made a credit card, people would be taking it to the moon, right? Oh my gosh, um, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, to the point there though, uh, people who want to be financially savvy and they want to invest in this stuff, shouldn't use this card. This is a one and a half percent cashback card uh, right. where they could earn, you know, they could use a 2% or a better a cashback card and then just invest the money in crypto themselves when it print their statement prints and, do much better over time because they're getting a, a better return on their spending. And so in some ways, this isn't much different than, let's say, you know, obviously a straight cashback card where you have an auto invest feature. And there are some of those out there or also just sort of a, a co-brand card. I kind of view it that way. Whereas, you know, I'm earning 1.5 X and then I really am just sort of locking it in. Now, of course, you could sell the, the crypto and get get the cash back and stuff. But yeah, I don't see the benefit of this. Where <laughs> is the value add with these types of cards? If I could just get cash back and then invest that myself. Now, Gemini, if they're investing it in real time, if at least there is a potential there to you're not losing out on the spread between what happens 
when you make the purchase and the statement cutting, but then crypto being as you know volatile as it is, <laughs> it could be your one and a half percent cashback card is a huge loss at the end of the month, you know, that you that you lost significantly. You know, you you mentioned in your video that the price could have gone up during the time, but it certainly could have gone down too. And yeah, the whole thing just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it's just all marketing. That's all it is. It's just marketing. Uh, it's just a regular credit card underneath all of the uh, smoke and mirrors. It's a lot of hype. And I think one thing that people may not even be considering is if you get, let's just say the Gemini credit card, they deposit into, we'll just say Bitcoin for fun. You sell it. There's tax implications there. Like when you sell it, you have now tax implications for capital gains, right? Whatever, whenever you sell it in long-term, short-term, whatever it may be, cash back, I put it back in my account. I'm not being taxed on that in my general account. If I throw new investments, that's one thing, but I'm not, you I mean, it's, there's no tax implication there, but if they are giving me Bitcoin or whatever currency in real time, when I sell it to cash out, cause that's what I want to do. Cause Hey, it may have gone up 20% and now my 3% is worth more. You pay taxes on it now. So I don't know if people completely see that picture, you know, why it could go up, it can go down. And while it can still go up, you're still paying taxes. So it, to me, it just doesn't, make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. You know, I was wondering why these cards are taking so long to hit the market because we started hearing about them in November, December mm. of 2020. And I wonder if part of it is just there are weird financial regulations or whatever that they need to figure out because, I mean, that's a good point that you bring up. Normally when we get cash back uh, or even miles and points right now, mm. they're not taxable. I mean, maybe one day they will be. It's fun to write articles and to uh, podcast about that at least once a year no, but no no it's not fun at all don't even make don't even think like that <laughs> but, uh, yes we don't want the we don't want the short-term clicks for the long-term pain yeah yeah good good point good point so i, I wonder if that is one of the issues um but yeah I, sean you make a great point it is just kind of smoke and mirrors it's funny to bring things a little bit full circle for some reason on youtube half the ads i get are for some crypto.com card i don't know if it's a credit card or a debit card or a prepaid card or whatever, but yeah. crypto.com is like always advertising to me when I'm watching videos on YouTube, which have nothing to do with miles and points. No, like it, I've seen a lot more only probably because I was researching them too, but it's big money right now. I think they're just really trying to get people into it. And a buddy of mine thinks it's just, it's, he thinks it's the next big thing. And I wonder if it's just a fad. So I'm, I'm not sure. I guess we'll have to see, but um, I've had a lot of people tell me you could be, I could be missing out on the Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin wagon, the money train. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. I don't know what I tell everybody in any conversation. And I like to talk about this stuff often offline. It's like, if anybody says that they know hundred percent, what's going to happen they're you know, full of crap. Cause just everything's been up in the air so much, even looking back to the great recession, 2008, 2009, the greatest financial experts in the world didn't see that happening. And we've had so much happen over the last couple of years in financial markets that have just blown away every expert, um, every financial advisor, and most of them are in your camp. They're saying crypto is ridiculous and stay with your traditional investments. And uh, obviously, I'm not an investment advisor. This is not financial advice. <laughs> just putting that out there. None of this is. But, you know, I don't know. I just feel like anybody who's really trying to say they know 100% how it's all going to work out doesn't really understand the complexities of all this with crypto, with governments that could make this illegal, with the Chinese government just recently moving towards really restricting Bitcoin mining and possibly uh, doing away with that. Uh, a lot of people don't know that the, that the U.S. federal government is launching a digital dollar, their own cryptocurrency, in order to combat this stuff. And, you know, if all the governments, the major governments say this stuff won't work or they regulate it, that's going to have a huge impact on the value of these coins and then of this market. And so there's so many moving parts. It's like, yeah, I'll just stick to my cashback card. And 
invest it however I want, whether that be in crypto or uh, wherever. And I think that that's uh, the best way to do it. Like you say, look past the initial marketing, figure out what works better for you within your strategy, whether it's cash back, whether it's points, and then make sure you're getting the best return on that and understand all of the tax and other implications of uh, what you're doing. I think that's always the best uh, strategy at the end of the day. Wasn't the whole point to avoid government regulation? I mean, this is just hilarious to think about sometimes. I think that was the point, right? So you, it was a decentralized so the blockchain, man. <laughs> well, well when, I'm not saying it, that, but if they if, if if the U.S. government says Bitcoin is illegal, that not that doesn't mean that maybe it can't exist somewhere. But that's going to be a huge impact on how it's traded. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. And maybe Bitcoin survives and Ethereum survives and all these other hundreds of coins don't. I don't see a world where every one of these coins becomes viable, though, uh, long term. I don't, but see, I, yeah. I don't see it being viable. One thing I have an issue with in, is go spend Bitcoin right now. Only a, like a couple thousand places worldwide accept it. You have to convert it back to the dollar or whatever currency it is to actually spend it. So you still have to rely on whatever currency you're wanting to dissociate from to use it. So maybe in a handful of years, maybe I, I just don't see the big picture here and that's that's completely possible. But there just seems to be a, a uphill an uphill battle for it. And and I always tell people when was so Bitcoin was the first. Whenever has the first of anything been the final product? So you're saying we're, my we're triggering a lot of Bitcoin lovers better. out there. Yeah, <laughs> you're, saying uh, my, you're saying my Ethereum is going to be better. Thank you, Dustin. Well, I will I will say though that uh, to for the Bitcoin supporters, it has really delivered on everything that has been promised over the years. Mm -hmm. The value increases. Oh yeah, um, it is a very stable system in the way that Bitcoin's mined and different than a lot of these other coins that are just sort of printed like Dogecoin, where they just made gazillions of it billion, as sort of a right? joke. And so, yeah, there is an ecosystem with Bitcoin. There is a possibility that it exists or that it survives and that it does really well. Um, there are challenges to it and that's what we're yeah. talking about. But I don't, yeah. I mean, I would never write off Bitcoin at this point. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, again, I think that it could go either way, but. Uh, like, I don't think uh, crypto is going anywhere. You know, yeah, will Bitcoin exactly. be the one that, you know, comes out on top or becomes almost a, the uniform currency or the, the chosen one, I guess. I, I have no idea. It's, it's all speculation, right? I mean, I think we're still, it's almost like the wild west of it. There's so much going on. He's got to kind of wait to see where everything lies. Still so new. <laughs> Mary says you can pay ransomware with Bitcoin. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't take away my NBA top shot, okay? My yeah. NBA top shot <laughs> NFTs. Your NFTs. All right. Well, let, let us know what you guys think about uh, crypto, about these crypto credit cards. Yeah. What you think about the future of, of all of this is. This has been a, a great discussion about that. We're going to head into rapid fires. Joe, you want to start us off? Yeah. So my rapid fire is a bit self-centered. Chase is launching their Sapphire Lounge Network. And it sounds like the first one is going to be in Boston. Right now, they're saying, quote, Chase Sapphire members and priority pass holders will have access to the lounge who knows exactly what that means. We're guessing it's probably just Chase Sapphire Reserve people um, plus Priority Pass, but we will see. It would make no sense to let all the preferred members in. But uh, yeah, I am actually expecting very little from this, but it's always good to see a new lounge out there. You mean the Priority Pass by the club with the name of Chase Sapphire, the Chase Sapphire Lounge on it? Yeah. That one? <laughs> yes, uh, it's, which is actually... Uh, as as of May was still closed uh, due to oh. the pandemic. So uh, I like to see, see it would be great to see them expand on a, a network of lounges. It seems like what Capital One's in and now American Express is expanding. It just seems it seems logical for them to get into lounges, right? Although so. the, the rent prices in those airports is going to go up the more <laughs> banks want to get lounges. There's only so much space. True. What about uh, you, Dustin? What's your rapid fire? 
Uh, my rapid fire. See, I recently opened a couple new credit cards. I have a video dropping on it Friday, but I got the uh, US Bank Altitude Connect, their new hot card off the market that's been delayed for feels like two years. I think it was coming in 2019. So interesting card. It's not made of metal. I know I know a lot of people would be disappointed about that, but it's like some super thick plastic. It's not a typical plastic card. So that video comes Friday, but that's my that's my rapid fire. New Connect card review coming soon. It's funny because you were uh, Altitude Reserve stand for like so long. Yeah. You love that card. So I'll be curious to hear <laughs> how you feel like the Connect stacks up. Do you still have the reserve as well? I do. It's 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 still in the it's still in the, the card box. Your first love. Your first My first love. love. I love that card for about a week until the the card we had in our family got shut down for buying a single <laughs> gift card. Uh, even though the vast majority of the purchases were not gift cards, they just shut that sucker down, and I just haven't looked at U.S. Bank since. I, I expect me to. I expect one day to open up the app and just to see it's been closed for some for some odd reason. Hasn't happened yet, but I'm I'm waiting for it. And my rapid fire is free breakfast for the masses. Benji did a good write up on the website, all of the different major brands that have free breakfast. Um, you know, we're not talking about like getting elite status for breakfast. We're talking about you stay there, breakfast is included. And that could be helpful because there are so many brands now. We've talked about how all of these hotel companies have seemingly, you know, decided they need 50 brands. And so it can get really hard. Like when you, when you're looking at, oh, that's a Hilton. That's what does it include this? Doesn't include that. So we created the, uh, the guide, for instance, Marriott has five brands that include free breakfast, if you didn't know that. And uh, Hilton, to top them, has six. So, yeah, check out uh, that. And uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, Dustin, when people aren't listening to this show, where can they find you? YouTube, where else? And YouTube, uh, you can, YouTube um, Waller's Wallet over on YouTube. I'm on Twitter, Waller's Wallet, Instagram, Waller's Wallet. Uh, those, are, those are the places I'm most active. I have a Facebook group as well. Um, you guessed it, Waller's Wallet. Um, so I'm pretty active on a, a lot of different platforms, most, and I post videos currently it's weekly just because summertime life's a little bit, life's a little crazy. So, uh, once a week is what I got time for right now, but I hope to get, hope to increase that back to two times a week come fall. Joe, you can find me at as Joe flies, all of our social media. Uh, you can find my Disney podcast, Disney decipher and hit me up if you need any help planning Disney stuff. What about you, Sean? Well, since Mark isn't here to steal my joke about how many posts we have every week, I'll just say we have a lot of posts every week on the website, milestomemories.com. Uh, we have our Facebook group where this has been streamed live at the uh, Miles to Memories community. You can just search that on Facebook. We have our Patreon with like 240 people, like the most incredible people who are nerdy about miles and points. <laughs> That's our sort of next level community. We have bonus podcast content every week, having our first meetup in August. Uh, it's just an incredible group of people, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. We'd love to have you there. And if you like Las Vegas, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. Our new YouTube channel, since we talked about it, our miles and points, we're going to try to uh, start creating some more miles and points content to complement the blog stuff. So we're going to start slow, but uh, we're going to need to be launching the new travel and finance miles to memories YouTube channel to go along with the miles to memories Vegas channel. So yeah, look for that in the next couple of weeks as well. I look forward to seeing that when it drops. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Dustin. It's been an incredible conversation. And I think we learned about some topics that hopefully people out there didn't know too much about. We gave them some more information and yeah. hopefully get some new viewers and people checking out the new ecosystem on YouTube. Well, that's not so new, but new to the <laughs> ecosystem on YouTube. Yeah, thank, thank you guys for having me. I really had a great time. Hopefully I was a decent substitute teacher for Mark. Yeah, no, you were. Any, anything's you, a step up from Mark, so <laughs> yeah, great work, great work. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you next time. Take care, guys. Bye.